All right, there we go. The video has begun. So hello and welcome everybody to the Interledger community call. Uh, we love having you every month. So it is good to see everyone's uh, faces and icons and names. We have a good agenda for uh, everyone today. We got our regular uh, spoken updates and then some text updates and our guests, which we're excited to talk about in just a few minutes. Um, I have reposted the link to our um, note stock that has the agenda it's got details it's got the text updates it has a roll call to sign in and a place to put any community updates that you might have and feel free to use the comments section or make comments or whatnot in that doc that doc is every meeting we've had going back for at least a large stretch so you can also see some of the history um, and get a, get a kind of a regular commentary on this meeting so thank you. We also release it as an audio file. So, um, and if you want that directly, let us know. But if not, we also put it out in podcast form. So you can also subscribe through your podcast player of choice. Um, all right. So the first thing we're going to do, I believe I saw Adrian's name scroll across. So Adrian, I will hand it off to you for a fine boss update. You did indeed. Hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, it's been a busy month. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of traveling, so um, just catching up this week with the rest of the team. We have uh, been very focused on, you know, user acquisition and, and trying out some product experiments uh, to see if we can find uh, the, the feature or the, the thing that really um, hook some people onto Fainboss versus the, the obvious competition like PayPal and Cash App and Venmo and so on. Uh, so amongst those uh, updates, we rolled out a payment protection option, which will go into production later this week. Uh, it's just in final testing. Um, the background there is that we've been doing a bunch of work in small communities to see if we can offer a better payment experience for things like buy sell trade communities people are trading you know trading cards or sneakers or you know those kinds of things so in informal trading through small online communities um it's been really difficult to break into some of those communities they they're sort of naturally suspicious of any newcomers. Uh, as soon as you try and tell people, hey, we've got this new way of doing payments, they immediately assume you're trying to scam them and steal their money. Uh, so it's been, yeah, it's been pretty challenging. One thing we noticed though, is that for a lot of those communities, they uh, insist that if you're gonna do trading, that you use PayPal and that you use the PayPal goods and services option. So, um, uh, yeah, if anyone's used PayPal to send money to someone else on PayPal before, you'll know there's two options. There's a, a friends and family and a goods and services option. If you choose friends and family, the receiver doesn't pay any fees. But if you choose goods and services, they do. Um, and but the, the what those fees cover is is protection for the buyer. So uh, if you buy something from someone on on PayPal and you're explicit that it's a goods and services transaction paypal actually protects your purchase so if you don't get what you paid for um then you can you know dispute it through paypal and they'll help you get the money back so we wanted to at least be able to offer something equivalent we think what we're offering is is better in that uh it's usually the buyer that wants protection or the buyer who's getting protection from from a scam 
uh, and yet it's always the seller who has to pay. So what we've noticed the big friction in a lot of these communities is I put something up for sale for $50. Someone says, great, I'll pay you. And I say, well, um, you know, and, and I, as the buyer say, well, I, I want to, you know, use goods and services. And the person says, well, okay, but I'm going to pay for that. So then you need to send like 5150. Uh, and so there's a whole kind of back and forth on, on figuring out how does the, how do you get the buyer to pay cover the costs of the goods and services. So uh, what we've added is uh, buyer opt-in uh, payment protection. So if you uh, if you use Mainboss to send someone a payment, you can opt into payment protection. Uh, and the 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 you know the details of what that means are on the side, but uh, it it means if I send you Chris you know fifty dollars for a Pokemon card, I never get the Pokemon card. I can log a a dispute, and we'll try and follow up and make sure that you either get the goods or you get your money back. Um, and we're trying to do something a little novel here in that most of these services have sort of a flat rate goods and services charge. We think what they're not doing well enough is actually evaluating the trustworthiness of the seller based on historical context and the type of trade being done. So if I'm buying a Pokemon card versus, uh, you know, sneakers uh, versus I don't know, a TV, those all have different risk profiles as a purchase. The If the seller's done 100 sales in the past and never had a dispute, they're obviously much more trustworthy than someone who's doing their first sale. So we want to, um, we're just getting started on this, but we've built kind of a, a, a rules engine there that evaluates all of these things and calculates the cost of the purchase protection on the fly um, based on you know who the seller is and and um, we'll start incorporating other dimensions in that calculation over time uh, so that's the one thing um, obviously like just rolling out so interested to see what the reception is going to be like uh, from the community when we get that out uh, the other is uh, a referral program so we've just kicked off our referral program. Very simple, um, very simple rules. If you send the first payment to somebody, you and that person get paid a referral bonus. So there's no referral codes or anything like that. Basically, everybody who signs up to Fainboss uh, will get a referral bonus along with their first payment, as well as the person who sent them that payment will get a referral bonus. Uh, we're limiting it to uh, three payments per day um per sender for now um and we also double the bonus if it's sent to a linked account so we're trying to encourage people to link their discord slack twitter identities to their wallet um if you if you do that you get 20 dollars instead of 10. so that's also just rolled out and we've started doing some marketing around that and we expect us to do a lot more sort of push around the referral program over the next little while um and then uh, some exciting conversations with a company in South Africa about um, potentially enabling uh, Fainboss in South Africa and being able to do cross-border between here, US, and, and other countries. Uh, they're already a company that's dealing with other participants in the ILP community. Um, they're not doing anything ILP-specific yet, so we're hoping we can sort of use this project as a way to bring them into the fold. Uh, it's very early days, so I don't want to say who it is or share too much detail in case uh, nothing happens. Um, and, and I certainly haven't. But they're OK to talk publicly about the, the what we're doing. Um, but yeah, hopefully by the summit, we'll be able to make some announcements on that. Um, and I think 
yeah, we, we should have international payments from the US into most European countries, the UK, India, Japan, uh, by early November. So hopefully by the summit. Uh, what'll that, what that'll mean is we can start signing people up in those countries for receive only accounts to start. And then, um, which obviously means, you know, as soon as we can get web monetization rolled out, they'll be able to use those accounts to receive web monetization payments. Um, and uh, yeah, then we'll, uh, we'll hopefully have the sending side uh, wrapped up pretty soon. We've got a partner that we're talking to about that and uh, a lot of back and forth there, but hopefully get that resolved soonish. So I'll be at the summit uh, as well as two other Fane bosses, um, Kieran and Omer will be there. Uh, I'll be speaking and looking forward to, yeah, seeing everyone there. All right. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, some media updates and some intrigue. So uh, watch this space over the couple of weeks uh, and definitely at the summit where I think Adrian probably will have some more announcements and updates. Um, the other one is actually Interledger, and we got a couple versions of that today. One, and you'll, you'll see all this in the notes, uh, in the notes doc. So um, if someone maybe can paste that again for any noobs that came on that they can get right to that. Um, but one, just a reminder, if you haven't gotten your summit tickets yet or you're still debating on whether to come, there's a link right there to the summit, tick, uh, to the summit tickets. Also, there is, um, we have started to roll out our speakers, such as Adrian. So you can actually go to the interledger.org website and click the link for Summit and start to see speakers and sessions. Um, I believe the, the actual schedule should be rolling out very soon on the website as well. So there's a chock full of information there about who's speaking, what they're speaking about, um, and you can kind of get a real sense. Just a quick uh, update for those of you that can't participate live. We will be live streaming the uh, mornings of Monday and Tuesday, which are the plenary section. So that will include two keynote speakers and a featured panel on each of those days. So um, we'll be sharing more information about that out and how you can live stream those parts of the summit. We also are being pretty aggressive this year. Um, gregariously aggressive in recording all of the sessions except for what we've been calling the creative conversations. Those are more workshop based, but anything that's a, a lightning talk, a product demo or a panel, we are recording and we hope to get those edited and uh, into separate files and released fairly quickly within the month of the summit. So we should be sharing majority of the content either live through streaming or then recording. So just a heads up for folks that cannot make it. Um, and then I am now, uh, those are some big updates on that. We've got more Interledger stuff to come in uh, right now and through the deep dive. But uh, now I know many of you probably are excited about the hackathon part of um, the summit, which is on the Wednesday. So I am tagging out to my colleague CD and you will kind of give us a little bit of an update on the hackathon. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Do you hear me okay? We hear you great. Take it away. Cool, hello everybody. So. What I wanted to do is, is to invite you uh, and to kind of talk about what participating at the hackathon will be all about. So it will be on the third day, that's on Wednesday the 8th, right? So day one and two will be plenary sessions and talks and like all of that good stuff. And then on Wednesday, we get down to business, right? Um, the idea or the goal, so I'll talk about maybe like three big headings, goal, who can participate, um, sort of the, what the challenges are, and then a little interesting thing right at the end, right? So the goal, for us to have like six to eight hours of just 
thinking, talking, designing, and then getting down into some kind of building, some kind of prototyping. Um, I really keen for it to be a communal, collaborative, sort of empowering space of saying, what can I do? And let us do some stuff with the Open Payments API. Let's think and talk about whether there are gaps or things we want to improve around the interledger and its elements or you know, the, the, the components of the stack. And let's work with women monetization as well and see if we can build some interesting enable enablers or capabilities around that. So that's the goal, right? Who can participate? Everybody that's at the summit. I really, really would be keen for you to, to, to say that extra day and, and participate. I'm hoping for um, cross-functional teams. So a team can be made up of anything between one and four people. Get your team, get your team name, your membership, whatever. You can sort of decide on that beforehand or on the day. Cross-functional would be really cool in my mind because I think at the summit we will have different different types of minds that have appreciation, knowledge, and expertise, and different ways of looking at and coming to payment, payment enablement, payment initiation, payment needs, right? Um, and I think that that sometimes makes for a really helpful conversation around design and building and thinking about improvement, etc. So as cross-functional as possible, but if you're a developer, if you're an architect, if you're an enthusiast or somebody that knows about payments or financial services, know that the idea is for there to be space and conversation with you too, okay? Um, challenges, right? The next big topic is what are the challenges? We have three big groups right now. There might be another one or two that come into, into the fold. Um, group number one is a design challenge. So thinking, talking about improving or changing or filling in a gap in some element of the interledger stack. Right. Are we thinking about any element of the protocol? Are we thinking about the specification, the actual implementation or, you know, overall design or alternatives? So that's, I guess, the less codey, buildy challenge. The second category is more around using open payments, the open payments API to do, okay, it'll be, I guess, something a little bit less um, meaty, you know, if it's six or eight hours that we spend together, but a checkout flow, you know, pay with, with open payments um, for your online application, your e-commerce application, or um, setting up the ability for a, a client application to be able to use up to a maximum of X amount, right? So delegating some access or some permissions for uh, an application to be able to transact with smaller amounts and without exceeding an upper limit. So some kind of pay with open payments functionality that would be doable in that period of time, right? Um, or the current implementation of the SDK is a node, maybe write it in a different language, right? So the idea is to get this sort of vibrant thinking and engagement and building around open payments. That's group number two. The third and final group for now um, is the web monetization challenge. So that is implementing a way of enabling web monetization on websites or editing, updating one of the one of the existing components. I think there are two or three open source components already. One of them built at Coil. Um, or we're also pretty keen to see or to have web monetized creators, right? So people being supported, be able to interact visually in some way with their supporters. So it might be a bit of a thank you note or a counter some way that you know somebody who, who's getting paid by a monetization is able to have a more a more um, interactive 
uh, engagement with, with their supporters. So challenges around these three big groups it would be really great to have us thinking, talking, kind of uh, experimenting in that in that short period of time. To keep things maybe a little interesting, there will be prizes. I I really want to be able to say what the prizes are without without it without um our our um well actually all of our approvers saying hey who told you you could give those away. So suffice it for me to say that there'll be some pretty good prizes. I think they'll keep things interesting. There will be um, a page on the website that goes live really soon, maybe in the next week or week and a half. And so you'll be able to see exactly what those are. But that is what the hackathon would and should be all about. And I'm keen to hear if you have any questions. Cool. If there are no questions, it's back to you, Chris. Thanks. All right, thank you. Sorry, I have a question. Uh, whoever emerges the winner, I'm thinking that there'll be a winner for the hackathon. Is there a chance that we'll probably move that idea into production, take it to the market? It's a gorgeous question. Thanks, Asiro. Um, So yes, the, the, the thinking is firstly that it'll be like a wonderful seabed for things that move beyond the day of the hackathon. Um, so first, to answer your question, I guess in a really quick way, yes, it might be that you, you, the idea, the group takes the direction or the channel of of the grants program, right, and actually finding what the right amount is that would be required to get this idea to give it wings and properly into whatever production needs, right? But that, I mean, that would be whatever pro, whatever process the programs team decides to take. The other point is that there will be actually winners in every category of the challenges. So design. So the design challenge will have a winner. We'll have a challenge winner for, for, for each of the other two as well. So yeah, that that's hopefully a good answer to your question, Castillo. Cool. Thank you. Oh. All righty, Chris? Yes, thank you, CD. And so this is actually going to be a bit of a theme today about lots of ways to participate and contribute into the open source nature of in ledger the protocol the foundation and this work in financial inclusion overall so next i'm going to do is i'm going to hand it over to santosh who is a ambassador uh with interledger foundation looking at integration and expansion of the open source possibilities um here at interledger and we have one very active right now with the month of october and hacktoberfest and so santosh take it away and give people an update on how they can participate in hacktoberfest with ilf or beyond Thank you, Chris. Hi, everyone. Uh, so if you haven't heard uh, already, uh, Interledger is participating in this year's Hacktoberfest. So for people who don't know about uh, who, who is unaware of uh, Hacktoberfest, it's an annual event that encourages people to contribute to open source projects throughout the month of uh, October. It's a dedicated month for open source community where they can where we can welcome new contributors to, uh, to our projects and where people can find uh, projects that they could contribute to and learn from. And uh, uh, it's a great opportunity for uh, the contributors to get involved with the open source communities and also learn a lot from uh, the open source pro projects that are around us. And we believe uh, Interledger can play a significant role uh, in this open source campaign. And that's why uh, we are participating in this year Hacktoberfest as well. And uh, 
Uh, apart from uh, uh, the contribution program, we also have an exciting rewards program for the contributors. So please share this campaign uh, with your communities and organizations. And we would love to see uh, more contributors getting involved in advancing our mission. And if uh, any of our partner organizations or grantees want to be a part of this campaign and want to onboard their projects, uh, to the Hacktober and uh, to Hacktoberfest campaign and welcome new uh, contributors to their projects. Uh, then get in touch with me. I, I'd love to talk and uh, help you people uh, get onboarded and get involved. Uh, get involved with the campaign. Uh, and uh, uh, in the end, like thank you everyone at Interledger who has been creating issues, reviewing code of contributors, and making the contributors feel welcome uh, at uh, uh, Interledger. So this has been great, uh, uh, and uh, it's been going great. And uh, thank you for all that you're doing. And uh, uh, if you are looking for more updates on the Hacktoberfest, join the Hacktoberfest channel on Slack. Uh, apart from the contributions, uh, we are also uh, partnering with uh, different open source communities and different uh, Hacktoberfest events that are happening around the globe right now. Uh, so that uh, they don't, uh, so that we can introduce Interledger as a contribution pathway for the contributors. So their contribution journey should not uh, stop at uh, uh, in the October. We want the contributors to find uh, uh, a contribution pathway going forward after October. So that's the whole uh, goal of uh, this offline events. Uh, that's it from me. Thank you, Chris. All right, and I would just say go ahead in the document, and there's the link that Santo shared for Hacktoberfest has really all the details you need. But also, let me stress, reach out to anyone here at Interledger, specifically probably me, Vanille, and Santosh for the most direct access, and we would love to hook you up and connect, better connect you with our plans for uh, Hacktoberfest. And if you're just hearing about this but can't wait to get involved, also you know reach out to us, and we, we work together to get uh, think of ways to do just that. Um, just a few programming notes um, about this meeting before I uh, move over into our deep dive special guest. And that is uh, just a reminder, we are not, that is we are not having a version of this call in November. Um, it's with a summit, everything, we just decided to, to take November off for this community call. We will return in December and we will be doing a summit reflection and share out um, and we'll be reaching out about how we'll go about that at that time. But just, I think we've already, uh, I'm, I'm almost 100% positive that Neil has already taken the calendar invite away for November. So it shouldn't be in your calendar, but just a reminder that we don't have it and that we will be returning December with a bit of a debrief. All right. Um, well, let me now turn it over to our guest here with a little bit of setup. So Interledger Foundation has begun to partner with an organization called Action and the variety of projects in which uh, fall underneath that banner. And one of those projects is something called a Financial Inclusion Week, which uh, is run by the Center of Financial uh, Inclusion. And it is actually next week. Um, and it is kicking off soon. So we thought we would definitely be benefited by inviting Ariel, who um, has been managing, running, directing, curating, problem solving, um, all of the things for Financial Inclusion Week, and invite her to talk a little bit about what that means, what's going on, what are the connections to this community, and just basically give you an intro. It's a free registration, by the way. 
It has some amazing sessions and other activities. I put all the information in the doc that you might need, including the um, sign up uh, to participate and a link to actually the session that we will be hosting, uh, I believe next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and that is with uh, our CEO and president, Brianna Marbury, hosting a conversation um, with uh, the People's Clearinghouse and Thista Works around the need to have grassroots uh, digital uh, financial education before you can do digital financial inclusion. So in the connection between those two things. Uh, so you can see all the details there. But with that, I will kick it over to Ariel, who is going to tell us a little bit more about Financial Inclusion Week, what it means and what, how you can get involved. So Ariel, take it away. Uh, thanks so much, Chris. Um, appreciate your inviting me here today. It's good to be with you all. Nice to meet you. Um, so my name is Ariel Imig. I'm the Communications Director at the Center for Financial Inclusion, um, or CFI. Uh, based out of the Washington, D.C. area and been at CFI for a little over two years now. So happy to have the opportunity to chat with you about this event, a little bit about our organization. Um, I did prepare just a couple of slides so you don't have to just stare at um, me. So let me go ahead and share my screen. Um, and then feel free to inter interrupt me at any point. I'm happy to answer questions um, and, and kind of keep this informal. Let me know when it's sharing. Is it is it good? You are good and shared. Okay, perfect. Um, all right. So as Chris said, Financial Inclusion Week kicks off next week. Um, it's been a whirlwind to get here, but we're really, really thrilled. Um, so I thought I'd actually just kind of take a step back and, and first give a really quick overview of our organization and, and what we do at Financial Inclusion Week. Um, or sorry, at, at Axion. Um, so Axion is a global nonprofit based out of Washington, D.C., with the mission to give people the financial tools they need to improve their lives. Um, and there are essentially three pillars under Axion. So there's an investment arm, an advisory arm, and an influence arm. Um, on the invest side, there are several teams, um, one focused on growth stage, inclusive financial institutions, one on innovation, innovative seed stage fintech um, startups. And then the third is focused on innovative growth stage fintech startups. So kind of different niche angles there. And there's kind of an advise arm of the institution that's, that works with inclusive financial service providers around the world um, to provide expertise and technical and managerial support. And then on the influence side, there's the Center for Financial Inclusion, um, which is the side that the team that I work on. And so CFI is an independent think tank um, we were established in 2008 to do research and test solutions um, around inclusive financial systems for low-income um, people. And our work really focuses around four core priorities. So we do deep dives into consumer protection, data risks and opportunities, which the conversation is around um, AI a lot these days, women's financial inclusion, um, and then climate risk and resilience and, and how financial products can help um, people kind of adapt to, to climate risks. Um, and so we disseminate our findings to key stakeholders, um, specifically country regulators, supervisors, central bankers, donors, investors, um, kind of a wide range of, of people in the space. Um, and then in addition to the research that we do, we also have two major um, annual convenings. One is Financial Inclusion Week, and the second is the Responsible Finance Forum. So with that, um, Financial Inclusion Week is an annual virtual gathering of the global inclusive finance community. So every year, Financial Inclusion Week runs for four days um, and offers participants an opportunity to change ideas, research, perspectives from around the world 
Um, it's now in its ninth year, and the event really continues to grow both in size and prominence. prominence. Um, and it really started out as a grassroots community-led event where organizations all over the world simply hosted their own events on, on topics around um, inclusive finance. And CFI's role for years was, was kind of simply to host the central calendar of events to help people um, know what was happening and when. And then when the pandemic hit um, and so many organizations moved to virtual, we, we decided to do things a bit differently and moved Financial Inclusion Week onto a central virtual platform for the first time. And, and really over the last three to four years, the events become more streamlined, organized, um, and it's now become really formal and, and actually pretty competitive process for, for submitting sessions. Um, and we work really hard to curate a well-rounded agenda. And so we're kind of proud of, of where it's come to and it's it's become a pretty big deal in, in the inclusive finance space among pra practitioners, um, regulators, bankers, supervisors, um, a wide range of, of audiences. So again, this year's event will run Monday, October 16th through the 19th. Um, it is free to attend. As Chris said, there's a link. Um, I thought what I would do, we, we put together um, kind of a, a nice intro video so I thought I would share that. And for some reason, it wasn't working in um, when I tested it earlier in the PowerPoint. So I thought I would just share the video this way. Um, all right, let me know if um, the audio does not come through on, for anyone. Welcome to Financial Inclusion Week 2023. The Center for Financial Inclusion is excited to deliver an action-packed four days of rich content and healthy debate, featuring a range of voices and perspectives, all committed to the goal of a more inclusive financial system. Each year, Financial Inclusion Week provides an opportunity for organizations and individuals around the world to showcase their work, their research, their experiences, and their ideas. Because solving the complex challenges faced by vulnerable consumers, especially women, low income, and other marginalized populations, requires us to work together and learn from one another. Because at CFI, we believe that collaboration makes all of us stronger as we tackle the difficult challenges present in the world today. This year's Financial Inclusion Week event asks the question, is inclusive finance ready for the accelerating pace of change? The future is now, but are we ready for it? What steps must be taken to responsibly embrace change and capture the benefits while mitigating significant risks? Because at the center of our work are people's lives and livelihoods. We're excited to dive into a range of important topics during Financial Inclusion Week and to discuss the challenges faced by consumers, including weather-related impacts due to climate change, restrictions due to social norms, and risks due to deceptive designs, to name a few. We're also eager to examine emerging opportunities to leapfrog into the future by leveraging artificial intelligence and other digital innovations. We welcome all participants to bring your ideas, your work, and your questions to the virtual table as we work collectively to advance a more inclusive economy for all. Thank you for joining us at Financial Inclusion Week 2023. Okay. So, 
Um, I'm just going to share this again. Um, sorry. <laughs> it just something else kept playing on YouTube. Um, all right, my apologies. So just to just to give you guys a few notes on kind of the the scale and um, kind of content and degree of this event. So this year we'll be hosting approximately 140 sessions over the course of those four days, um, 40 of which will be live. Um, 100 of them will be on-demand content that is um, kind of available for viewing at your convenience and, and people can watch at your own discretion. Um, just to note, all the live sessions, um, like the Interledger Summit, all live sessions will be recorded um, and will be posted to the platform shortly after. So if you do miss a live session, um, you can you can tune in or, or even rewatch it right after um, it airs. We have about 330 speakers um, this year, and we're expecting to have as least, at least as many registered attendees as last year, which was about 3,500 um, people. Um, which represented 2,000 organizations across 146 countries. So the scale has been um, grown to, to a pretty impressive degree, especially for the inclusive finance space, which, which isn't that large. Um, and really, this event kind of does capture, um, I think, a, a good majority of, of the people in this space. So I thought I'd take a, a few minutes just to highlight a couple of sessions for this group that, that might be of interest. Again. There's so much content, really invite you to attend the event, browse the agenda. You can bookmark sessions once you're on the platform of, of things you'd like to attend or come back to later. Um, but just kind of a, a couple things that, that might be of interest for this group specifically. Obviously, Interledger session, um, as Chris said, will be running on Wednesday live. Um, so we're thrilled about that one. CFI is going to be running a session on deceptive designs um, and how we can address them. Um, FinRed Lab is going to be talking about AI and, and making fair financial decisions. Um, New America and EAY are hosting a session that will talk about how digital public infrastructure um, can enable identity verification, digital payments, data sharing, um, other essential functions. We are going to have a keynote, one of, one of several keynotes, but one will be by Irene Arias with IDB Lab. Um, she's going to be speaking about Web3 um, and kind of their blockchain technology that they're using in Latin America. Um, and then, the, you know, this is just kind of an example to give you a sense of, of what type of content is, is out there. There's also going to be lots of content on uh, gender, AI, consumer protection, migrants, kind of any topic that really touches on the, the realm of financial inclusion is, is going to be present at this. Um, so again, really hope you can join and, and kind of tune in to, to some or all of the sessions. Um, and again, they, they'll be available after the event as well if, if you do register. Um, and then finally, just I would be remiss um, to not say thank you to all of our event sponsors and a special thank you to Interledger um, for generously supporting Financial Inclusion Week. Um, it's really great to have the support and, and be able to keep um, these conversations possible and, and allow uh, registration to continue to be free for, for everyone to attend. Um, so finally, just uh, again, Chris dropped the link in the Google Doc. Um, encourage you to register, um, and I open to questions if if anyone has anything they would like to ask. I have kind of a a quick question. You mentioned that uh, you're recording sessions and that they would be posted shortly after uh, they they were live. Um, with your with if you sign up as a you know if you sign up to participate how long can you watch uh, videos after financial week are they up there forever are they up there for six months two months yeah 
so we'll we'll keep the platform up through the end of the year. So about six weeks. Um, you know, the end of the year is not that far away, uh, which is crazy. Um, so we'll keep them up. But then at that point, they'll also migrate to there's a Financial Inclusion Week website. So financialinclusionweek.org. Um, the all of the sessions continue to live um, on that website on YouTube in perpetuity. So we kind of pride ourselves on kind of having this database of financial inclusion week over the years. So you can even go and watch all the sessions from 2022, 2021. Not that anyone has the time for that, but they do continue to to live in the Internet of Things <laughs> on the financial inclusion week website. So they they don't go anywhere. Um, but, but yeah, the platform will stay active, and and it's also kind of a great resource to to be able to network you can you can view the speakers you can connect with other people other organizations there's direct chats within the platform um kind of a nice way to connect with the community as well during the week and again that stays open but you know attendance on on the platform and engagement does drop off um in the weeks following awesome i'm going to ask one more question and if anyone else has any just jump in or raise your hand or uh, come on, Mike, after I do. I just wanted to see, Ariel, if you could talk us through a few of the other things that Action and the Center for Financial Inclusion does throughout the year, a couple other highlights. I know this is uh, a big one, but only one of the activities that fall under uh, the ad umbrella. Sure. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the Action umbrella is quite large. Kind of, I, I alluded to there's different kind of pillars that everyone's focused on and different activities that we do. So, Financial inclusion we kind of consumes our time in the fall, um, but then really in the spring summer, a lot of um, our time is occupied by the Responsible Finance Forum. So this this the Responsible Finance Forum, the RFF, has actually um, been around for for many years. Um, but CFI recently, as of last spring, became the convener of it. We took it over from IFC um, to be the central convener, and so that's that's kind of a slightly more targeted audience around. Um, kind of regulators and, and stakeholders and big decision making roles at kind of the global level, um, but focusing more specifically on, on the risks um, for and responsible finance for low income consumers and, and marginalized populations and emerging economies. And so that conversation um, happened in, in July earlier this year, and we're going to run it again next year, um, already starting to set the agenda and, and kind of work around that. There's several working groups that also come out of that. Um, so that's again meant to be kind of a, a global community-driven um, forum platform, as you will, um, with different organizations kind of tackling specific niche areas. So I know there's a working group kind of going off and running on, on responsible finance around climate and, and green products. There's a group kind of focusing on doing a deeper dive on AI and and um, their works and, and findings are going to come out and, and kind of trickle out for the, the audience as well. Um, and then throughout the year, you know, CFI does our work by by receiving grants largely um, to do deep dives on research. So again, I kind of mentioned the four core priorities that we're focused on, and um, but but we do. And there's also cross cutting themes, so we do a lot of work. Um, we've done some work with Mastercard um, Foundation around MSEs, small businesses, and kind of the impact of COVID and, and how businesses are bouncing back or not bouncing back um, from that. Um, a lot of the work that we do is on, on social norms and, and kind of how do you address barriers for, for women to access financial services. Um, and, and again, the, the work that we're doing on, on responsible algorithms is, is also taking off and, and doing a lot of, of work on that. So that's, again, the, the center, that's all under the Center for Financial Inclusion. Um, and then Axion has, has other programs as well. So, you know, they work more closely with, again, startups, 
um, and actual microfinance and, and financial service providers and, and do a lot of kind of technical assistance um, and, and support financial and technical assistance for them. I don't know awesome. if that Chris helped. That was, um, that was perfect. That was, that was amazing. Uh, Adrian, I think you're next. You had uh, jumped into the queue with a question. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, question more about CFI generally. Uh, you, you partly answered it actually in, in your answer to Chris. Um, I know similar organizations generally have like a published set of principles or, or um, yeah, like benchmarks or, or something that people can use to uh, evaluate systems or ideas against, like, is this inclusive? Um, does the CFI have something like that? Or, or maybe, um, maybe, let me rephrase that. Like, how do you define financial inclusion? Like, it's, it's a very broad topic, I know. And, and um, the, the outcomes of projects can be very different, but could still maybe fit under that umbrella, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm asking the question correctly, but yeah, where's your where's your main focus? Like, what are the what are the outcomes you're looking for, and 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 how do you how do you go about that? Yeah, it's it's a great question. If I understand, I think I think what you're trying to get at is how do we actually measure impact and and what we're trying to achieve, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think it's a great question because it's a hard question and something that the sector has actually been been wrestling with for years. Um, so. I think historically in the past we've, and I say we, not not necessarily just CFI, kind of the sector of inclusive finance um, at large has been talking about access and usage. And so there's something called the Findex um, Global Report. I don't know if everyone's familiar with that, but but it's a great annual report that um, you know kind of gives people a view of you know X percent of people have access to financial services, X percent you know use it, and they kind of can measure it over over several years. So that's kind of where the conversation has been. I think there is increasing talk about how do we move beyond that because it's not just access and usage anymore, right? It, we need to we need to do more. And so, not to give another pitch for financial inclusion, but there's actually a great session really on this topic. Um, CGAP, if you're familiar with them as an organization as well, they're they're doing some new impact measurement um, and kind of testing things and, and really leading kind of a working group around the sector on that. And going to be doing a session on that as well um presenting that live and so that's a kind of a good conversation because that's really in the inception phase of, of their project as well and so i think they're actually looking for audience engagement um so that might be something worth worth looking at but i think from a cfi research perspective what we're trying to look at is how how many people get our get our reports and our findings um and then how many people can or decide to act um as a result of them Right. And so, again, it's it's really hard and kind of tricky because we're like, do you measure the number of clicks that they that they open a report? How many people mention it and forward it along? Um, so I guess the the poor answer is that we're wrestling it with it right now, actually, and, and trying to kind of do another impact um, framework. And Axion at large actually just recently released its first impact report. And that's actually um, kind of worth checking out. And I'll go ahead and drop that in the Google um, Doc as well, just if, if people are interested in checking that out. Great, thanks. Yeah, I, I, um, the, the, the reason I asked is our team have worked um, a lot with the, the Gates Foundation and CEAP um, historically, and and they have their level one principles, and they, um, I guess, the, yeah, something you said there like stood out is the 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 um, people consuming the research is one thing, but uh, 
from my experience or from what we've seen with the work we've done, where the real impact happen is if that translates into legislation or, or yeah. you know, regulators uh, enforcing something uh, and where very inclusive financial systems have been successful, that's tended to be not purely market force driven, uh, which is a really hard sell in, in most of the West. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, just kind of, it, I, I, I was scrolling your site while you were talking about like the advocacy side uh, there talks a lot too. Um, uh, and so, I mean, I don't know if there's other people waiting to ask a question, but a, a follow up if you don't mind. Um, does your advocacy arm um, do sort of direct lobbying? Is it only US? Is it global? Um, how much of, of your research does actually translate into legislative changes or, or regulators, um, you know, changing what they do to, to be more inclusive? Um, and again, a, a little anecdotal piece of sort of related information. I was told by uh, a regulator here in South Africa that the central bank's mandate does not include inclusion. Inclusion is not part of their mandate, like stability of the currency and well, you know, those typical central bank mandates, like that's their mandate. And so there was nobody, that there was no advocate for inclusion in terms of like the regulatory and legislative framework in the country. Mm -hmm. um, so be interested to know, yeah, if your, um, if your advocacy side has like impact at, at that level, uh, or, or yeah, more general sort of ideas around that. Yeah, um, I I don't know that I have a good answer for you in terms of like concrete numbers or, or examples. Um, I think obviously that's the goal, um, but okay. yeah, I, I think I can, I can ask around and, and see, um, you know, I think Jayshree, I know Chris knows Jayshree and, and a couple others at our organization might have um, a couple more better answers and I can I can revert if that's a, if that would be interesting. Yeah, I, sorry, I, I didn't want to put you on the spot. It wasn't really uh, asking for numbers or anything. It was more of a, a question around if that's part of the goal. Is, is part of the goal that that research ultimately results in, you know, uh, regulatory mandates or legislative change that, that um, or, or does the research produce outcomes that can turn into those things? Yeah. Or is it generally research that's mm -hmm. then uh, guiding market participants more than regulators. Those that 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 was more the direction. Yeah, no, I I think I think the goal is the former, right? The goal is to actually make yeah. real change. And so I guess I guess one kind of um, example is we recently did do work. We partnered with WFP, the World Food Program, on about um, we've been doing a lot of a lot of work on on cash transfers and kind of you know the social protection payments um, that have come out really as a COVID. But if you direct payments directly to women on behalf of their households, what's the impact? Um, and so actually something that came out as we were doing research most recently, and it recently was released around do directing cash payments to women, does that actually increase or, or decrease the risk of gender-based violence and, and intimate partner violence actually? And we found that it decreases the risk and the World Food Program, who is actually the largest currently social, social payments provider at the, in the world at the moment, um, actually changed their cash policy as a result of the, the research that we did with them. So there's one anecdote that yes, ultimately that's that's our goal of what we're trying to do. Um, and and so again, it's 
the the measurement side of that is a bit tricky because it is hard to say you know did, did some country actually change their policy because of something specifically that they read in cfi or or maybe was it a piece of it um but i think ultimately yes we're, we're trying to get to the central bankers the regulators the supervisors who are kind of changing the frameworks and, and can actually tackle some of these big wicked problems so to speak um, at a fundamental level awesome yeah that's that's a that's a great example um very cool thank you um, hey, I want to jump in here. Um, that's an awesome question, Adrian. Ginny from Interledger. Um, one thing I also want to clarify is that in the United States, if you are a designated nonprofit as CFI is, as Interledger is, there are really strict rules around laws around lobbying. So mm -hmm. we can educate, we can uh, advocate, but we cannot lobby. So, um, and just to be just to be clear, lobbying, the word lobbying in the United States means we're specifically going to elected officials, trying to get them to create a policy or change a policy. We have real restrictions on that. That doesn't mean that we don't, in, we can't influence them, but we just can't do it that very direct um, way that is defined as lobbying. That's really well, interesting. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, that's, Jenny. That's, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that feels like a, a big disconnect. But anyhow, thanks. Exactly. I think there's a lot of people frustrated about it. <laughs> so that does raise a couple really good things that I wanted to follow up on as we draw close to a close. And that is that this um, Financial Inclusion Week 2023 is just the, the kickoff to a relationship between Center for Financial Inclusion, Action, and Interledger Foundation. So things uh, like Ariel mentioned, like uh, the Responsible Finance Forum and things like that, those other kind of uh, moments and activities and programs within the year will be helping to think about, participate in, uh, advertise, et cetera, et cetera, and vice versa for our opportunities. In fact, if you want to go deeper about the work, we will have two representatives from uh, Action and this work, Center for Financial Inclusion, at the summit. They'll be participating two ways. They will be doing a one of the creative conversations. I believe they're running basically a game. Um, so look for that session. It should be fun and interactive. Um, and they will also be in the grantee reception. So um, Jayshree, as Ariel just mentioned, and then Colin will be the two representatives. So they will lots of, for those of you that are attending the summit, there'll be lots of opportunities to, to have coffee, to have breakfast, to participate in their sessions, to catch up and go a little bit uh, deeper with what they do and what we model might do together. Awesome. Um, well, I think we're drawing to a close here quickly. If anyone has anything, you know, go ahead and open your mic. But if not, I would really encourage you. I see Agnosti Pay put a link to a, a recent blog post of theirs. In that community share out, go ahead and paste your stuff. Even if you think it's kind of silly or it's a blog post or an update, we'll definitely be using those and pick those up in social and other things. You know, that kind of content that you can feed us in that document is perfect. And we will look to amplify, to engage and interact. So that's a great place to kind of feed our cue. So go ahead and check that out um, before you sign off. I also, while we were talking, um, I put the 2022 FINDEX report from the World Bank that Ariel mentioned. So you can grab that real quick. Um, and then she also put some sessions that the session she referenced for the direct link for that. So once 
not when, but once you sign up for Financial Inclusion Week you, and that one is interesting to you, you can add that to your schedule as well as the ILF one. Um, and then there's some, uh, there's a, a, a link to the Global Financial uh, Responsible Finance Forum there as well. So really some great information and a lot of exciting stuff as we sort of balance the, you know, the technical advancements and the policy and sort of mind space advancements that this stuff is going to need to, to succeed and to integrate and to expand. So thank you all. Uh, go ahead and go on with the rest of your day. And I hope it's lovely and productive. Um, reminder, no October meeting. Uh, sorry, no November meeting. This is the October meeting. No November meeting. Regroup with a debrief in December. And I hope to see you next week in Financial Inclusion Week. Thanks, everyone.